this is the very first podcast of Columbus Junction Public Libraries Beyond the Bookshelf with Erin and Mandy. Woohoo! And so today we are talking about the thing that everyone is talking about, and that is Bridgerton. So we have to preface this with Erin is a purist for the books. And I did not read any of the books until after I watched the first season of Bridgerton, which, by the way, season two is coming up and it's focusing on who? It's focusing on Anthony and maybe Kate. I hope it's Kate. I, I don't, don't know. know. I Maybe it's Sienna. It's I don't know. Okay. Uh, I also want to preface this, guys, with um, there will be some mild spoilers. We will try to keep it mostly just focused on the show so we don't spoil too much of the series because we want you guys to get excited and read the book series. But we will try to avoid as many spoilers as we can. But we got to talk about some stuff. We got to talk about that scene. Yeah, that scene. (laughs) That scene. We have to talk about that scene. We have to talk about sex in the Regency era. (laughs) Let's talk about sex, baby. (laughs) I mean, P.S. Be glad you cannot see us just doing that dance that we just did. So the first thing that I think has been super amazing about Bridgerton is Lady Whistledown's control over their social media. That has been the best decision about hype for anything. And the fact that like she just responds to all these different like retweets, that Lady Whistledown persona just makes it feel like everything comes to life. And I have loved that. So if you're not on Twitter, I would legitimately say Lady Whistledown and the Bridgerton social media, it would be worth it to join because it is on point. It really is. Also, another thing about it is I have loved, is very clear Lady Whistledown in the series is controlling and how rumors and people's perceptions of you, I would even dare say, because like gossip magazines were all they had, your the media can control one person's thing and looking at how media has consumed our lives in like political sense, but even just like, let's talk about Army Hammer. It got out and it got on one media source and all of a sudden now everybody knows everything about him and it's like, okay, so this is how media in one day can destroy somebody's life. And that's what Lady Whistledown can do. And I think that's been really important to capture especially in 2020. And not only can she ruin someone, but she can remake them as well, which is, I mean, that's power. I mean, it's one thing, like, especially when we're talking about like cancel culture and all of that to like take someone down, but to remake them. And Lady Whistledown's kind of, um, I'm super glad she's not in Columbus Junction (laughs) because I would be scared. That's been a really interesting way to look at it with current events. And one of the very first things I told Erin about the the show. Okay, guys, I am going to say I'm a book purist. I was not going to watch this because Mandy told me this. And I'm like, literally, how? How can this even happen? I have no idea what's going on. I'm not watching this show immediately went home and watched it. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Whole thing. Don't worry about it. But I love that in the show, you get to meet and see all the different personalities of the Bridgerton siblings, which is something that now as I'm reading the books, you don't really get to see as much of that sibling interaction and some of that stuff sort of setting up in other books. Like each book is focused on one of the Bridgerton kids and that's pretty much all you get to see. Okay, so I will agree in the first book, you don't get a lot of the siblings because Daphne is the oldest girl. So the other ones, they're kind of younger. They're like, if you were an adult and like your teenage siblings just keep nattering at you, you don't pay attention to them when you're going through stuff. However, you do see 
probably starting at Anthony's book and on, them do interacting as siblings, like them screaming at each other. Uh, the croquet game where they're literally like, okay, so you can't use this bat because this is my bat. This has always been my bat. How dare you? You cannot even touch it. You oh, and the to bat use- of death. Yeah, the that's my de- favorite. The pink bat that the they pink argue bat. about. Yeah. So it's literally a, a rite of passage. Or like, you can't shoot with us because you always win. Like, you can't. I I really like the sibling, especially in um, Eloise. And uh, I don't know who Eloise's partner is going to be in the Bridgerton show. But uh, book- <laughs> Aaron cannot let this go. <laughs> I am so mad about this, guys. We'll get there. In her book, which is called To Sir Philip with Love, she ends up with Philip. The same Philip that you see taking Miss Thompson in the show. Guys, I don't know how they can do this. I don't know why what's going on with the Marina Thompson thing. I cannot handle that storyline. And the Featherington storyline, which is completely different in the books. Guys, I can't handle this. It's true. Also, I think one of the other big spoilers of the show, not just... I mean, that completely, completely changed everything. And I don't know how they will address it is that last few seconds where Lady Whistledown's uh, identity is revealed because it's not that way in the books. So you are looking at things very differently and it becomes a very, very, very big thing. But again, I'm excited to see how that goes. When Aaron came across that, I believe I got a text message late at night going, what just happened? No, 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 no. I don't know why we know about Lady Whistledown. So um, also, I did not see Lady Whistledown coming. Oh. But there are some people on social media that are like, oh, yeah, I had that pegged from like the get go. And I'm thinking, how? How? Uh, because they read the books. So, well, no, not even the reading the books. <laughs> yeah. It's like attention to detail. Yeah. Because now I've started to rewatch the show again. And it's almost borderline obvious now that I know. And now that I've read the books, it it is kind of one of those where I was like, ooh, I was really caught up in that lovey-dovey storyline and not paying attention to the other storylines. Yeah. And see, when I first started reading the series, I was younger and I picked up one. It random. It was purple. I like romance novels. I'm like, sure, let's do it. And it happened to be, uh, I saw who Lady Whistle went down was because the book that I started with was the one where she was revealed. So I knew the storyline. I knew who was involved. I knew who Lady Whistledown ends up with. I was not surprised. And for me, it was very easy to like piece through. But then again, I was completely primed before it started. I also have loved Violet's character because oh. she, I mean, I think a lot of times when we read about the aristocracy in a lot of different eras, marriages were to secure money, to secure power, to you ally yourself with different families. And so Violet from the very, very get-go is such a fun character because she really is committed to her husband, but she's also really committed to her kids in a way that I think we don't see represented a lot in history. And so I love that. I will say the Violet in the books has some amazing zingers. And I like, like that mom advice that kind of fillets you a little bit but puts you right back together and it's done with love and I really hope we get to see more of that because I felt like some of them she didn't have quite as many in that book anyway but just her motherly wisdom I did get a little annoyed with Anthony though and his how could you not (laughs) I mean he's kind of imperious not kind of really imperious and that whole like but I'm 
the head of the family. And she's like, okay, then act like it. Start doing what needs to be done. And then the fact that he goes down like this totally different path with it. And she's like, oh my God, I gave you one job. This is what needs to happen. I love seeing her interaction with her kids. I love seeing the, it's the episode where they're having dinner together. I think it's like episode one and they're all having dinner together and Gregory and Hyacinth are like literally throwing peas at each other because we all understand it. And like that look she gives. And I I just love that Violet character. Yeah. Unlike some women characters that are strong, she doesn't have like a backbone of like steel. She definitely has some chips from the loss of her husband and from just dealing with a lot of kids, but it is still so strong. And I also love that every single time she makes a mistake, it's not because it was she was doing the wrong thing. It's because she thought she was doing the right thing at the time. And I think the biggest mistake she makes is just not passing on enough information for Daphne. But even then, Daphne was so much more prepared for an intimate relationship or even like happy marriage than like, let's look at the Featheringtons. It's like, how do you deal with father? Um, I deal with him. He goes to the other room. Like, I don't see him except for the morning. Like, that's how I deal with him, you know? So she was prepared her daughter so much more than they gave her credit for. And she adores her kids. That leads us into a really good conversation about knowledge base of um, aristocratic women in any time period, but particularly it seems like in this time period, because especially like you see it a number of different times. And I think it kind of like beats you upside the head. These women were raised to understand that their job was to create a baby and to give their husband an heir, but they have no idea till their wedding night how that that happens. And Eloise and Penelope Penelope. trying to figure this out and they're like piecing all of this misinformation together. And so when you look at it, like bad information is bad. (laughs) It's really bad. And I think it leads to a lot of problems for Daphne in her marriage, but I also think it leads to a lot of problems just in general. But it was really this subset of women, because if you were thinking about like the maids Mm. and you were thinking about women or girls who were working for a living, they understood the birds and the bees. It was just this small group of sheltered women. And then we almost set them up to fail. It was kind of interesting how that worked and how it imploded on Daphne. I also think it's interesting how they have this very heavy veil over these virginal girls who don't know about the birds and the bees and are trying to figure out, oh no, is pregnancy catching kind of thing? But the second Daphne gets married, all of a sudden the veil is lifted and other women who are married are inviting her to play cards, to come hang out. Let's talk about politics because you're married now. You don't have to not know anything. Let's go ahead and talk about this. And I was like, I love that. And I hate that. Can you imagine sending your child, regardless of gender, off into a situation where they had no idea what was going on? Like, just here you go, get on a bus. I'll see you, you know, occasionally, but never again, really. And find your way. Or that that comment of, well, your husband will know what to do. Yeah, but I want to know what to do. You know, like, yeah. when you think about it, I, I don't I don't know. Like, that's, that's a lot. And so there's just a lot of fear. And where there's fear, fear, I mean, it just creates this whole situation where everything then starts bad. And so you understand how women may have started affairs and different things like that because they were like, oh, well, I I guess, you know, my husband doesn't know how to do this, right? So I'll go, you know, hang out with this other guy that does. I don't, I don't know. It just... 
But I think a couple different times, it made it blatantly clear how women were just expected to not know until they could know. Yeah. And they were just supposed to innately know. And I think that that probably led to a lot of difficulties. And then when you have a societal structure where you have dinner together, but you only talk to your partner to your left and then to your right, and then the women and the men separate for port and gossip and cards and all of this, you don't have an opportunity to really see marriages interact. You don't really have an opportunity to see or ask those questions. And I don't don't know. So I think in some senses, I appreciate the more candid conversation. And I guess if you have to have, you know, the talk with your kids, you're not doing any worse than Violet Bridgerton did. So feel good about yourselves. I don't know. She tried so hard. It's just I imagine it would be very embarrassing. Because at that point, her daughter doesn't even know like names for her anatomy, let alone what he has. So how do you explain? I think I read one romance novel once where like the mother brought a pie and like a a trowel in and like she took the trowel, she shoved it into the pie and she says, this is what your wedding night will be. There will be blood, but you'll like it. Set the pie to the side and she's like, any questions? (laughs) So that is the worst. (laughs) Okay. I thought Violet's was bad, but no, legit. That's the worst. No, That's the worst depiction for a poor bride preparing for her wedding night. Oh my gosh. Like it wasn't even like a fork or anything. It was like a A genuine trowel, like a garden Like a pie server. Oh my God. That's the worst. P.S. Do Uh, not do that for your kids. Violet, Violet could have done worse, but okay. So because Violet didn't set her daughter up for success in the bedroom, we will say that's led to a lot of dicey interactions, conversations, and the scene. The scene. Yeah. It absolutely does. But I also think too, just as a quick aside before we go on to, you know, that scene, which is just as chaotic in the books. But anyway, (laughs) when we don't have the words for it, when we've just experienced the action and we don't have the vocabulary for it, it makes it really, really hard to then describe. And so I think that that just goes to show that words do have power. They do have impact. And we do need to give people those words so that they can adequately describe what is going to happen, what has happened. Anyway, that scene, Aaron's take. There you go. Okay, so this is this is my take on the scene. Okay, here's what's up, guys. I have a strong take. Um, feel free to disagree with me. Feel free to come in and chat with me about your disagreeing. Um, feel free to come in and chat with us about this podcast. Uh, this is a plug for the podcast and a plug for the library. Woo, come in. So my take on the scene, again, feel free to argue with me, is they were both wrong. Now, what Daphne did, he asked her to stop. He clearly was like, wait, no. He said the word no. So it is rape. Marital rape exists, guys. This is not okay. However, keeping her in the dark, and he knew, he knew without a shadow of a doubt, she had no idea what was going on. He had to explain that she could feel pleasure and how everything worked. So he knew without a shadow of a doubt, she had no idea how children actually happened. So later on, when he's like, well, I thought you understood. No, she didn't. And you knew that. And you were preying on the fact that she wouldn't know this so you were taking advantage of her and lying to her you were having marital relations lying to her so they were both in the wrong absolutely both in the wrong she did rape him he was having sex with her under false pretenses which is not good both bad my take it's hot Uh, no i agree I absolutely agree. And I think that had he had like an honest conversation with her and explained how this process worked, 
But all along, he kept saying, I can't have kids. I can't have kids. And never bothered to tell her what that meant. So she's left to assume physically can't have kids. She didn't realize that it was emotionally, mentally, whatever, can't have kids, won't have kids, man of honor, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm I'm with you. I think that had they had an open, honest conversation, had that in any way, shape, or form been displayed to the two of them, I mean, Violet and Edmund, they had a really passionate relationship and, and their kids saw what kids always see, but they didn't necessarily see the tough conversations that help you to strengthen your marriage. So neither one, and obviously Simon's dad was what he was. And, (laughs) you know, and Lady Danbury could only go so far with her tutelage. That was a quarter word, you got to admit. Anyway, it was. was. But, you know, like it was just difficult. Neither of them saw how a healthy marriage worked. So they did the parts that they had seen and then were kind of surprised like, oh, this isn't working. Well, no, it's not. And so I think that was kind of an interesting way. But I agree. I think they were both in the wrong and no means no no means no but also sex under false pretenses is not consent you are not consenting to the whole thing she thought she was consenting to a relationship in which she was physically unable to have children and she was fine with that she was ready to adapt she was willing to give up her whole life plans because she loved him so much but then when she found out it was sex under false pretenses i imagine again i want to say she raped him rape is wrong but i imagine she felt a little violated because he used her lack of knowledge to take advantage of her physically. And she's like, I was like intimate with this person. I trusted him mind, body and soul. And he just took advantage of that. They were both very wrong. And I think it also was that time in Daphne's life where she realized how little she actually knew. And that betrayal really, really stings that she was completely unprepared for marriage. She thought, you know, and she felt really confident. She knew she could make a great duchess. She knew she would make a great wife and a great mother. And then here's this first confrontation with, I actually don't know hardly anything And that stinks and I'm pissed about it. And rightfully so. I think that as you see Daphne grow in the other books, she is a lot more blunt about her information and knowledge. And I appreciate that about her. Yeah, she shares it because she does something she didn't get. So she's like, okay, here's what's up. This is what you need to know. Moving forward. So if you loved Bridgerton and <laughs> which we did. Which which we did. We can criticize and still adore it for what it is. Oh yeah. But if you loved it and you want to read the books, we're happy to get them on interlibrary loan for you because ha <laughs> big surprise, anyone who has the Bridgerton books is now charging an astronomical price for them online. So we can definitely borrow them from other libraries for you. Or if you're interested, we have a number of other books books that have TV shows. So we're going to just give you a couple of our favorites. Virgin River. There's 21 books in this series. So like, I think they're on like what season four right now or something like that. So anyway, plenty for you to watch, but even more for you to read. The next one is Sweet Magnolias. I think there's just one season of it on Netflix right now. And it's the Cheryl Woods. I think it starts with Stealing Home, but like four friends in the South. There's also Longmire. I didn't know it was based on a series of books. I just thought it was a TV show. I guess I didn't realize it was books either until we had the book. 
And if you have ever talked to me, you know that I was going to bring this up because Outlander is an amazing series of books and an amazing show. And you're all probably laughing if you have ever asked me for a book recommendation. And I'm like, hey, have you tried Outlander? Which, by the way, you should try Outlander. (laughs) Big Sky, which is on CBS, but you can stream it on like Hulu and other places like that, is based on a standalone by CJ Box, but it's adjacent to the Joe Pickett series. So if you're like super excited and down with Big Sky, you should definitely try the Joe Pickett series. Also, if you want to talk Joe Pickett, you need to talk to Nancy because she will totally talk Joe Pickett with you. And as a kid, I mean, I have seen the graphic novels of the Babysitter's Club start to come out. I was a purist with the Babysitter's Club. And I'm here to tell you, watch Babysitter's Club on Netflix. If you have kids, watch it with them. But like, if you were like me and you grew grew up with the Babysitter's Club, you need to do yourself a favor and watch the show. It is amazing. We thank you so much for listening. This is our very first podcast episode. This is something that Mandy and Aaron have wanted to do for a really long time. So thanks for listening. Give us some feedback and we will see you soon. We have no idea. But soon. We have no idea what our podcast schedule is going to be. So if you have recommendations, if you're like, I love this, I love hearing you guys chat and feeling like I'm chatting with you, go ahead and be like, do this more often. And if you hate it, feel free to let us know. Maybe don't do that one in person. But if you have positive feedback, come in and tell us. We'd love that. But uh, we want all of the feedback. But we're kind of we're talking about that overwhelmingly what we're hearing is people are like, I just miss like talking to people. Like I just miss visiting at the library. Definitely let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. And next time we're going to be talking about reading challenges and when it's okay to give up on a book. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.